0: To Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio station.
1: Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist dot com. How are you, Mr. Rosen?
2: Good. How about yourself?
1: I'm doing well. A little cold turkey on the markets though today. Emerging <laughs> markets seem to be defining uh, our markets. Why is that?
2: Ah, It's just the way things work. I mean, you have underlying problems in other countries. It affects everything, and people don't know where to put their money. So you have inflows and outflows that just, you know, have uh, negative and positive effects. And in this case, you know, people are concerned that, uh, you know, they have real concerns that, um Capital flights from some of these emerging markets could have you know a direct impact on uh, social and economic behavior in these countries, which could have you know a further impact on the economic situation of the u s um, realistically i don 't think uh, you know, it's that big of a deal at least right now in terms of you know affecting u s outlooks or affecting uh, fed outlooks or anything like that but it 's something to keep your eye on
1: okay with that said, the emerging markets um I was talking to Patrick O'Hare yesterday, and uh, we were talking about should investors have exposure, and he said, you know, maybe through active management, but not through passive management. Are there economies so boom or bust that passive management would make sense?
2: Well, I think that the stock markets themselves are more volatile necessarily than the countries themselves in terms of economic performance. Okay. So you have... You know, investors that are concerned that, you know, you could have a lot of short term risk associated with, you know, an unexpected capital control, for example. And, you know, being a passive investor in that, you know, you could get stuck with your money in there a lot longer than you thought you were going to. So, you know, that, that's what makes it hard to just, you know, go off on these countries specifically because of, uh, their economic fundamentals And you also have to remember that the companies inside the countries are volatile Because they have different exposures to domestic and international markets So, you know, you add in that fact and It makes the stock market a little bit more difficult to just sit back and, and watch I think that if you're wanting to be a more passive investor in some of these countries You're probably better off in some kind of ETF, um, you know, fixed income uh, uh, purchases where you're involved in, you know, the economic growth of a certain country based on, you know, true economic fundamentals as opposed to, you know, specific individual companies within a much larger uh, economic situation.
1: Durable goods not good recently. Um, you've seen a little bit of toppy action in housing. The numbers to start the year, economically speaking, have been less than stellar or lumpy. Would you agree with that statement? And is it a problem?
2: Yeah, it was. The durable goods report made no sense to me, to be honest. Um, okay. You know, I was expecting you know I think 2.8 percent growth, and we had minus 4.3. And uh, I'm usually pretty accurate on durable goods. It's actually I think my number one forecast out of all the the uh, components that I that I look at. And you had really odd seasonal problems associated with um, uh, the transportation industry, specifically the aircraft. Boeing reported solid gains. I think there were like 319 aircraft versus 100 and something in the month prior. And that somehow translated into a large negative effect on the overall durable goods, which left me kind of perplexed. And then you had... ISM numbers that have been ranging in about 60 range, you know, a little over 60 in the new orders category, and I always take ISM numbers by themselves with a grain of salt. But an above 60 uh, range signifies to me that things are at least solid, at least stable, and you had a large, like 1.6% drop in orders outside of transportation, which don't jive with that ISM number. So either we had some really odd seasonal problems that carried over that caused this or, you know, the underlying numbers that we've been getting are just flat out wrong. And I I, don't, I doubt that's the case. It seems more like that we just had an odd, you know, report that month. And, you know, looking at all of, of you know, the data that's coming in in January, most of it's for uh, December, you know, it's, it's been hit or miss. I mean, the retail sales report I still look at, as being the key number that we got this month, and that showed that even though aggregate incomes were weak, we had solid gains in, in consumption, which to me signifies that, you know, consumers are not as concerned about income growth uh, to maintain higher savings, they're willing to forego savings to keep consumption because they don't believe they're going to lose their job anytime soon, and, and that, that's really the key takeaway, and I think that's what, uh, you know, the Fed's going to look at. And, and moving forward, how uh, you know the economy is going to perform?
1: As a guy who does a radio show and TV show tied towards good things on the market and the economy, and why you should max out your 401k, should I start drinking, or are these numbers going to be seasonal and we're going to have a good strong economy by the end of the year?
2: Yeah, I I still am very concerned about economic growth in 2014. I think okay. that there's still uh, problems, I think that a lot of the um, the you know pickup in expectations occurred in uh, November and December because the data started getting stronger around that time. but if you look at the previous few years, the data has always been getting stronger at the end of the year, and then the carryover into the following year has been weak so i, I don 't want to say you know i 'm still predicting like three and a half percent growth in q four yeah, you know, to me, that's probably going to be closer to two. You know, maybe one and a half to two percent in Q1. That's a big drop. Yeah, you know, and you know, it's nowhere near as strong, especially when you look at real final sales this month. It is expected, at least in my my models, to be over four percent. And you know, I don't see the carryover yet. I think that things are going to be okay, but I don't think things are going to be great. I don't think things are going to be picking up as quickly as uh, the consensus may expect it to be.
1: With that said, what are you working on, Dr. Jeff Rosen, that you think is important in the coming days, coming weeks?
2: I think the uh, right now it's going to be looking at the Fed and seeing what they're going to be doing with this uh, transition to Janet Yellen. Um, more importantly, some of the mechanisms that they're using to uh, Offset the taper, namely, forward guidance uh, is going to become useless really soon. I mean right now, they basically made a statement saying that they're projected to keep rates low for an extended period of time, even after uh, the unemployment rate reaches six and a half percent. My models show that we're going to hit six and a half percent in the January numbers that come out next week. So what does that mean then? if we're already at that level, You know, what's an extended period of time from that? So I think you're going to possibly see some volatility in the futures market, which could cause some, uh, you know, fluctuations in uh, long-term treasuries because no one has an idea what the Fed is thinking about when um, we're looking at – you know, what their projections are for when rates are going to increase. And I think we're going to have to see some moves in uh, Fed talk and and trying to find out a new way of measuring uh, economic performance, especially in the labor market, if their normal, you know, numbers like the unemployment rate just don't work anymore.
1: Okay. Again, recapping the whole Ben Bernanke term of head banker, um, Fed chairman, he Anything that you take away from him going away?
2: No, I think he was an excellent Fed chairman. I think he did everything he could. Um, I think politically and economically, he he did his best. And I, I think the Fed overall did, did a did a good job um, once the crisis hit. You know, you can make arguments that the Fed didn't do a good job up until the crisis, and, and you know, especially you know, looking at the housing bubble, that's probably an accurate assessment. However, since then, you know, I'm fairly comfortable with what the Fed did. I don't think that you're going to see uh, too many wrongs in, in history when you uh, start, you know, looking at it more closely. Now, i just concerned that, you know, what they do in the future, you know, especially with, you know, when you're at the zero bound, you don't have very many ways of uh, affecting long-term interest rates. So you're going to have to think of something, you know, off the wall and uh, hopefully it'll work.
1: One of the pieces of stories that I found today that was interesting was it kind of blamed the emerging markets on Ben Bernanke, basically by keeping the cost of money so low that we supported their economies. Is that an accurate assessment, or is that stretching to you know solve the puzzle?
2: It's not stretching too much. I mean, when you have low rates here and you have people seek, or investors searching for yield, you're going to go to you know riskier assets, and that includes. You know, an inflated stock market includes an inflated, um, you know, emerging markets, because that's where the yields are. And when yields start increasing, you know, in the U.S., you see a natural flight out to take the higher, you know, less risky yield, and that's what we're seeing. Now, you can make the argument that the... Flows from emerging to the U.S. are happening too quickly because, I mean, rates aren't moving very much. Actually, you know, rates are down from when they announced the tapering decision. So, you know, there could be some more economic or more, you know, financial, you know, reasoning behind it, but the overall theory is sound.
1: Sounds good. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist at briefing.com, briefing independent live market analysis of the U.S. and international equity markets, bond markets as well. Lots and lots of commentary there about what's going on in the world. Um, obviously, if you're looking for value stocks, they look more like a value after four or five days of selling. If you're looking for a growth stock, maybe you're getting some of that growth discounted on a down market. You want to have a list of stocks that you want like in good economies, bad economies. You want to have a list of stocks that you like in down markets and up markets, and be prepared. We haven't had a good correction in a very, very long time, so I'm kind of enjoying what's going on, not to the point that I'm gleeful in other people's misery, but we were just at all-time highs two weeks ago. It's okay to have a little bit of a sell off S p p 500 is down 8, the Dow's down 96, the NASDAQ down 13
2: walk and too tired.